Welcome to the Pets Who Thrive podcast, where we cover all areas of natural animal health and challenge what we've been conditioned to think regarding how to raise and keep a healthy pet. My name is Tammy. I'm an entrepreneur and a certified animal naturopath with a passion for animals and empowering other pet owners with tools for creating the healthiest version of your amazing pets. Let's dive in. Hello, I am so glad that you have taken the time to join me today. On today's episode, I am opening up and being very vulnerable with sharing the tragedy of losing not one, but two pets over the span of four months. Andy and Angelina were littermates and were taken away from me too soon at 11 and a half years old. Andy was diagnosed with lymphoma last August and in October he succumbed to the disease. I was beyond devastated. When they were born, I bottle-fed both Andy and Angelina, so to say that I had a strong bond to both is an understatement. While in the process of grieving Andy's death, four days after he had passed, I learned that Angelina was diagnosed with having a carcinoma tumor in her lung. The heartache and sadness that I felt was overwhelming. After learning of Angelina's diagnosis, it was all I could do to get through the day. But I quickly turned on my caretaker role, and with the assistance of Dr. Todd Cooney, I did everything I knew to help keep her healthy as long as I possibly could. She did really well for the first couple of months. She had excellent energy. She was eating well to the point where I would just forget sometimes that she had a chronic terminal illness. As her health slowly started to decline, I found myself in denial about her prognosis. I kept thinking, certainly we can beat this. After all, I felt like I had done so much right with Andy and Angelina versus the way I had raised dogs in the past. For example, they were given minimal vaccinations, they were fed a raw diet, and I avoided toxins as best that I could. What I had come to terms with is that no matter how much we do right, there are certain things outside of our control. There are genetics, and then you have epigenetics. Epigenetics is the study of how your behaviors and environment can cause changes that affect the way your genes work. So what that meant to me is that even though these pups had a long line of cancer throughout their family tree, I was determined to change the course for them with what I could affect. Even though they both succumbed to cancer, what I don't know is how long I was able to prolong their lives through following nature's laws. And since I take so much responsibility for the health and illness of the pets in my care, I hold on to the thought that adopting these positive changes did improve the quality and duration of their lives. So for Angelina, I continued on as her caretaker bringing her to work with me every day so that I could try to entice her to eat something and shower her with love and affection. She never wavered in her love and commitment to me. She was the most loving, loyal soul. She would jump up softly on those that she loved and give the best hugs while staring deeply into your eyes. She was my shadow. No matter how many times I made my way from the living room to the kitchen, she would be right at my feet. She always had me in her sight. When her condition took a sharp turn for the worse in late January, I knew that I had to make the most dreaded decision that a pet parent has to make. 
Even though I felt like my heart was going to explode from the pain of losing this baby, I knew it was right for her. She had not been able to lay down as it would make it hard for her to breathe. She was exhausted and she was ready, but I wasn't. What I discovered after Angelina passed is that the grieving process for Andy that had been placed on pause to become a caretaker for Angelina all came flooding back. So now I was grieving both Andy and Angelina at the same time. What I've learned through this process is that grief is a very real thing and it affects everyone so differently. Today, I will walk you through how mourning was handled in the 18th century and what we can learn from it, the five stages of grief, and some suggestions on how to move through it for you, your family, including other pets in the family. When we lose a pet, the pain we experience can feel overwhelming and unbearable. Understandably, grief is complicated, and we sometimes wonder if the pain is ever going to end. We go through a variety of emotional experience, like anger, confusion, and sadness. We will dive deeper into the five stages of grief in a moment. In our current social climate, we are taught that we must get back to normal as quickly as possible after the death of a loved one or the loss of our pets. Typically, consideration is not taken for the families and friends to truly grieve their loved ones at their own pace. When we look at how previous generations handled death of a loved one, it shows us how much emphasis was placed on the mourning process. In the late 18th century and throughout the 19th century in England and France, the bereaved was expected to follow a complex set of rules, particularly among the upper classes with women more bound to adhere to these customs than men. Such customs involve wearing heavy, concealing, black costume and the use of black crepe veils. Special black caps and bonnets were worn with these ensembles. Widows were expected to wear these clothes up to four years after their loss to show their grief. Jewelry, often made of a dark black jet or the hair of the deceased, was used. To remove the costume earlier was thought disrespectful to the deceased. Formal mourning culminated during the reign of Queen Victoria. Her prolonged grief over the the death of her husband, Prince Albert, had much to do with the practice. During the succeeding Edwardian rule, the fashions began to be more functional and less restrictive, but the dress protocol for men and women, including that for the period of mourning, was still rigidly adhered to. When World War I began, many women joined the workforce. Most widows attempted to maintain the traditional conventions of mourning, but with an increase in the number of casualties, it became impractical for them to interrupt their work to observe the seclusion called for by formal mourning etiquette. Never had the code of mourning been less strictly applied than during this period. The morning outfits of the time were modest and made of practical materials. Little jewelry and few other accessories were used. Certain aspects of traditional mourning were still followed, such as the use of jet beading, crepe trim, and widow's caps. However, the hemlines fell above the ankle, the veil was used to frame the face instead of covering it, and the V neckline left the chest and neck bare. During the following decades, Gradually, the rules were relaxed further, 
and it became acceptable for both sexes to dress in dark colors for up to a year after a death in the family. I am in no way suggesting that we should all adopt the mourning practices put in place by 18th century England and France. More than anything, I wanted to point out that our society places such high expectations on moving on that sometimes we do not allow ourselves to work through our grief, and it's all about balance. So now let's review the five stages of grief. A theory developed by psychiatrist Elizabeth Kubler-Ross suggests that we go through five distinct stages of grief after the loss of a loved one. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and finally, acceptance. In denial, the first stage, it helps us minimize the overwhelming pain of loss. As we process the reality of our loss, we are also trying to survive emotional pain. It can be hard to believe we have lost an important part of our family, whether their death was sudden or if they suffered from a slow-burning chronic illness. Our reality has changed completely in this moment of loss. It can take our minds some time to adjust to this new reality. We are reflecting on the memories that we have shared with our beloved pet, and we might find ourselves wondering how to move forward without them. This is a lot of information to explore and a lot of painful imagery to process. Denial attempts to slow this process down and take us through it one step at a time, rather than risk the potential of feeling overwhelmed by our emotions. Denial is not only attempt to pretend that the loss does not exist, we are also trying to absorb and understand what is happening. Anger. It is common for us to experience anger after losing a pet. We are trying to adjust to our new reality, and we are likely experiencing extreme emotional discomfort. There is so much to process that anger may feel like it allows us an emotional outlet. Keep in mind that anger does not require us to be very vulnerable. However, it tends to be more socially acceptable than admitting we are scared. Anger allows us to express emotion with less fear of judgment or rejection. Unfortunately, anger tends to be the first thing we feel when we start to release emotions related to loss. This can leave you feeling isolated in your experience and perceived as unapproachable by others in moments when we could benefit from comfort, connection, and reassurance. Next phase is bargaining. When coping with loss, it isn't unusual to feel so desperate that you are willing to do almost anything to alleviate or minimize the pain. Losing a loved one can cause us to consider any way we can to avoid the current pain or the pain we are anticipating from the loss. There are many ways we may try to bargain. Bargaining can come in a variety of promises, including God, if you can heal my dog, I will turn my life around. Or I promise to be better if you will let my cat live. Or I'll never get angry again if you can stop my pet from dying or leaving me. When bargaining starts to take place, we are often directing our requests to a higher power or something bigger than we are that we feel may be able to influence a different outcome. There is an acute awareness of our humanness in these moments when we realize there is nothing we can do to influence change or a better end result. This feeling of helplessness can cause us to react and protest by bargaining, which gives us a perceived sense of control 
over something that feels so out of our control. While bargaining, we also tend to focus on our personal thoughts or regrets. We might look back and think, what could I have done differently? What if I hadn't given him that medicine? What if I had fed her a better food? Or what if I hadn't given him that last set of vaccinations? We tend to make the drastic assumptions that if things had played out differently, we would not be in such an emotionally painful place in our lives. The next phase is depression. During our experience of processing grief, there comes a time when our imaginations calm down and we slowly start to look at the reality of our present situation. Bargaining no longer feels like an option and we are faced with what is happening. We start to feel the loss of our beloved pet more abundantly. As our panic begins to subside, the emotional fog begins to clear and the loss feels more present and unavoidable. In these moments, we tend to pull inward as the sadness grows. We might find ourselves retreating, being less sociable, and reaching out less to others about what we are going through. Although this is a very natural stage of grief, dealing with depression after the loss of a loved one can be extremely isolating. The last phase is acceptance. When we come to a place of acceptance, it is not that we no longer feel the pain of loss. However, we are no longer resisting the reality of our situation, and we are not struggling to make it something different. Sadness and regret can still be present in this phase, but the emotional survival tactics of denial, bargaining, and anger are less likely to be present. Types of grief. As we consider the five stages of grief, it's important to note that people grieve differently and you may or may not go through each of these stages or experience each of them in order. The lines of these stages are often blurred. We may move from one stage to the other and possibly back again before fully moving into a new stage. In addition, there is no specific time period suggested for any of these stages. Someone may experience the stages fairly quickly, such as in a matter of weeks, where another person may take months or even years to move through to a place of acceptance. Whatever time it takes for you to move through these stages is perfectly normal. Your pain is unique to you. Your relationship to the pet that you lost is unique, and the emotional processing can feel different to each person. It is acceptable for you to take the time you need and remove any expectation of how you should be performing as you process your grief. So now let's take a look at a few things that can help you move through your grief. This goes for any pets that are part of the family as well as they also grieve the loss. Ignatia. The homeopathic remedy Ignatia is a bereavement or shock and disappointment remedy. Ignatia is commonly used to treat acute emotional problems or grief. Its ability to help the body process emotions is one of Ignatius' greatest assets. Most homeopaths recommend that you start with either 30C or 200C potency taken a couple of times per day for a few days or until you feel better. Bought flowers. How bought flower remedies work? Bought flower remedies work by subtly restoring balance to negative emotions like stress, depression, grief, and fear. By simply taking a couple of drops of the appropriate remedy, they assist with restoring equilibrium. 
When experiencing grief, there are several lock flower remedies that may help. If you're suffering from shock or trauma, Star of Bethlehem assists with the distress and unhappiness following a shock. It can provide comfort and consolation. Feeling guilty about something you thought you should have done or not done. Pine is for guilt and self-blame and can relieve us from guilty feelings. Do you just want to feel miserable and shut yourself off from the outside world? Water violet is for you when you just have to withdraw and seek solace and isolation. It can help bring on the desire to interact with others. At the end of your endurance with grief and feel as there is no hope in feeling happy again, sweet chestnut is for you when you've reached the end of your endurance and can liberate with optimism and a peace of mind. Worried about how the loss can impact other family members or pets? Red chestnut is for those who are over-concerned for the feelings of loved ones and provides calm and rational concern. Feeling that all the joy and happiness has been sucked out of your world, wild rose is for feelings of apathy, resignation, and disinterest in life. It can bring about a lively and enthusiastic interest in life again. Up to five bought flower remedies can be added to the same bottle. Typically, you will take four drops by mouth four times per day for a week or two weeks. Again, these are not only helpful for you, but for your pets as well. In closing today, I want to share a story with you. In the moment right after I said goodbye to my sweet Angelina, I was sobbing to the point where I couldn't catch my breath. Dr. Aubrey, the hospice vet with Lap of Love, who was wonderful, by the way, said something that has stuck with me. She said that she truly wishes she could say or do something to take my heartache and pain away and followed it with saying that time would help heal the horrible emptiness that I was experiencing. This statement reinforced how time for healing is such an individual one. The time that I need to heal and the time that you need to heal is different from any other person's timeline, and that's okay. The lesson here is to have grace for yourself. Only you can determine when you feel you have worked through your grief. And even when you work through your grief of loss, you will always have all the wonderful memories that you had with those precious animals. Those are yours forever to keep. I hope that today will give you some ideas on how to handle grief if you yourself are experiencing it. Until next time. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you love this episode, share it with someone who may also want to help their pet. You can share it now or post it on social media. Tag me in it so that I can reach back out to you. I'm so proud of you for taking steps to help your amazing furry family member. Talk to you soon.